This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. I'm excited to interview our guest today, Adrienne Twig. She's an HR and employment compliance consultant and co-owner of Bent Erickson and Associates. They provide educational programs, training, human resource services to dental professionals across the country. Adrian's HR expertise and experience coupled with a background managing a large dental group practice for over 17 years. Uh, Adrian's presentations are insightful and practical with an HR success oriented focus. And she's a part of the Seattle Study Club Speakers Bureau. She's also a certified facilitator of the Appreciation at Work training process, and she's a member of the Society of Human Resource Management, Academy of Dental Management Consultants, Speaking Consulting Network, and American Association of Dental Office Managers. So welcome, Adrian. Thanks, Eric. I'm happy to be here with you today. It's my pleasure. Wow. That's quite a, a list of uh, accomplishments. It's very impressive. I love it. Yeah, it's um, great organizations, and they always give us great information. So um, it's it's great to be part of those organizations. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. So uh, you know, I've been hearing from clients just about hiring. You know, post COVID, this this twenty twenty that we're in, and they've got these HR questions. And so I really wanted to get your insight to help other dentists out with these sorts of things. And uh, I, we've been doing quite a few of these podcasts based upon, you know, how to go out and hire, uh, what's some do's and don'ts. And so I wanted to pick your brain. And so let's jump in. How's that sound? That's great. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's look at it from the HR standpoint. Let's start there and let's see where it takes us. And, and let's give these uh, listeners some value here. So why is having a solid HR foundation in a dental practice so important? You know, obviously small business. Um. It's just like building a house, Eric. Um, I don't know if you or your listeners have ever taken on the project of building a house, but the most important aspect of that house is your foundation. And the foundation for a dental practice for any business out there is the foundation of HR, human resources. Mm. We it seemingly have gotten away from remembering that HR is human resources. And that's what our practices and our businesses are built on. It's our team. Mm. They are really our competitive edge in what we're doing. It's not the technology and it's not the machines and the software that we have. It's our people. Mm -hmm. It's our team. And that is really the competitive edge that we have out there nowadays. I'm just curious, how many dentists do you run into or think that are out there? I mean, maybe you know this number that don't actually have this part of their practice secure and covered. It's more than you think. Yeah. Um, because, and people have gotten away with it for, mm -hmm. you know, years but now, not so much. Um, the, the fact that you have a team that is in place that you can count on is what's keeping some practices afloat. Um, it's, 
it's not, like I said earlier, it's not that technology so much as it's the way your team makes your patients feel. You know, they walk in the door and they're greeted with a smile and it's, hi, Mrs. Smith, we're so happy to see you today. Mm -hmm. And they're taken back to the operatory and they're greeted by the clinical team. And when they leave that business and that practice, they feel valued, appreciated, and that is what people are looking for today. Yeah. So let's flip the coin here. What do you think is the biggest threat in in dental dental practices today well unfortunately today a dentist is more likely to be sued for a labor related issue than a malpractice issue Mm. Um, the insurance policies for labor related costs and issues are going up and right now a labor Uh, employment practices, liability insurance is what it's referred to as Mm -hmm. EPLI is more costly than malpractice Mm. insurance policies. So that lets you know that they're being used. And especially in some States such as California, I don't need to tell you (laughs) that, but uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. There are signs on billboards. There are signs on buses, on benches, talking about suing your boss Mm. and uh, the department of labor is really cracking down on a ton of things such as wage and hour infractions, uh, whether or not people are being paid overtime correctly, um, CE events, just everything you can think of, whether it's discrimination, harassment, hostile work environment and dentists, practice owners really need to make sure that they've got their ducks in a row, they've got a really good policy manual that's compliant, and that they are following the rules. And unfortunately, sometimes it's challenging because they don't know what the rules are. Well, and if it's different by every state, right? That's right. Wow. That's right. And it's also different according to the number of employees that you have. Sure. Sure. So, so a you lot gotta, of parts. yeah, you, and, and so you guys there at Benner, you guys got to know all 50 states and then break it down from there within that state. Right. So right. let's, let's give them an example. Let's say I'm in California. <laughs> I am in California and uh, <laughs> I've got, I don't know, I'll say six employees and I decide I want to pay my team a bonus and but they work overtime at eight hours, over just over eight hours. So if I want to pay them a bonus, is there something that you'd say in response to that? I'm a, I'm a client. I call you. I'm a dentist. Hey, I want to pay my team a bonus. And they all work about eight and a half hours a day. So they're all getting about half hour of overtime every day. What do you think about that? Is there, is there something you'd say, well, you got to avoid this. You got to be careful of that. No, one of the main things that we would say is that's great. That's wonderful. Incentivize your team. We are all for bonus and incentive programs. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we would say is congratulations. That's awesome. The second thing we would say is make sure that you are factoring in the overtime wages when you talk about the bonus and run it through payroll. 
It's, it's not an under the table thing. It's not just a separate check without taxes and appropriate things being taken out. Make sure that it's included with your payroll run and that everything is listed above board and uh, clean so you don't have anything that comes back to bite you later on. Yeah. You mentioned something that in California, and I'm sure there are other states, <laughs> feel bad for them if they're like that, but <laughs> you have to actually figure out total wages and, and their overtime, actually their amount probably changes if you give them a bonus, right? Yes. And most doctors yes. think your pay is here and here's your overtime. Oh, and here's a bonus. But that, but that changes the over, you have to actually go backwards. The bonus changes that overtime rate and they don't understand that, right? Yes, there is what's called a weighted average that comes mm. into play. And so all of that has to be put into the formula uh, to come up with, you know, what the true number is. Yeah. And believe me, I am not a mathematician. And <laughs> um, my my line from the very beginning is I thought math, this this didn't contain math, but <laughs> it's, it's it built does. on math, actually, especially in California. Oh my gosh. And, but I'm assuming you guys help the clients figure out what that would be then and, and break it down for them. Yes. Our HR specialists uh, are keyed into that and we refer to them as the brainiacs. And as you mentioned before, we have clients in all 50 States. So they're really clued into and on top of how each state processes uh, overtime and that type of issue. So they can help our clients through figuring out what the weighted average is and how it has to be paid and, and yeah. all of those little intricacies. Yeah. It's not just as simple as, Hey, let's just do a bonus plan sometimes. Huh? <laughs> Unfortunately. I'm just curious uh, on a side note, are there other States as complicated as California? Um, for the wage and hour, California holds the title. Yeah. Um, Nevada has some things about, I believe it's don't, don't hold me to this for yeah. sure, but I believe the last time I knew Nevada had uh, anything over 12 hours. Um, so Las Vegas kind of gets, you know, rolled yeah. into that. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But okay. every state has their little quirky things, whether it's about wage an hour or if yeah. it's about sick pay things. So yeah, there's a lot of differences. I've got, uh, several clients in New Jersey. I got my start on the, on the East coast. And so I have a lot of East coast clientele as well. But, uh, I was looking at some New Jersey law for a client. And I was looking at things like, they don't even have to offer a, a like a lunch hour or something. Right. Seems like, seems like something the mafia created there in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? This is like the opposite of California. Yeah. Yeah. There are states out there that are kind of on the other end of the spectrum regarding lunch yeah. breaks and, and rest breaks and all yeah. of those things thrown in the mix. So here's a, here's another um, example. I think that clients should be aware of and people listening is and you can help me out here with this. When you have dentistry going, it's really hard to give that break. You know that that you have to offer this ten-minute break in the morning, ten-minute break in the afternoon, and so many hours they have to have a lunch. What is what is something that maybe help me with this thought? But what is something every dentist should be considering in regards to that to protect themselves, uh, protect their employees, and and be in communication with them? Obviously, they got to know their state's rules, but 
You get what I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking for here, Adrian? Um, the dentists have to be aware of the rule, number one, and it's going to fall on their shoulders to make sure that it's followed. Mm. We get calls a lot with the dentist saying, I can't get my hygienist to uh, sign off that he or she is taking this break. So, you know, I've told them about it, but they don't seem to be doing it. I'm paying overtime. So what do I do? Yeah. Well, there unfortunately isn't a magic bullet to to rectify that, but it, the buck does stop with the practice owner. So if you have to take disciplinary steps with that employee to make sure that they are getting that break, which sounds so backwards, yeah. but um, making sure that they're signing off on their time card, that they've taken the required breaks and, and you've got the documentation in place, we're big big proponents of documentation. Mm. So we advise our clients, you have to, if you have to sit and have a disciplinary conversation with that employee to let them know that this isn't just, no, I want you to do it is no, you are required to do this by law. So sometimes you have to drill down and um, almost seem like you're uh you know, the big bad wolf on, on following the rules, but you have to, because if that employee leads down the road, perhaps they become disgruntled or Mm -hmm. they don't think they're being treated fairly in some other means. And if they come back and say, well, you know, I never took breaks. I didn't do this or that. That will, that dentist will pay a heavy price for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. And just that example right there with a client where they bought the practice from the previous dentist and knew this story of a former employee who had done something along those lines. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a rough and stressful environment when that's going on. So, so that kind of leads us into team members and, and keeping them and how important it is to have a healthy team and, Mm -hmm. and retention and, Larry Gazzardo and I, just a couple episodes ago, we're talking about the cost of replacing employees nowadays and the training and everything that goes into it. So what's your take on the importance of retention? We think retention is king at this point. There is an amazing, sad trend of loneliness in the workplace. And we have found that through simple measures of showing appreciation to employees for the jobs that they're doing goes such a long way to keeping those employees, but not only just keeping them hanging around, um, you know, receiving a paycheck, but keeping them engaged and employment, uh, employee engagement is such a big deal. Now, having a workplace that is fun, that you are keeping the employees engaged, you know, you're going to have happy employees that stick around. When those employees stick around, you're gaining that retention, you're gaining a better workplace, you are lowering the stress. Mm. And by retaining your team, you're lowering your cost because just like you said, you and Larry have talked about the cost of turnover we find that the cost of turnover for an employee is basically a year's salary for that person is the way it ends up. 
So by the time, you know, you do the recruiting and then the hiring and then you get them trained and up to speed again, who knows if it's three, four, six months, maybe a year into it before they're really up to speed. So, you know, retaining your team is giving you more stability, more stability gives you better patient um, service. And I mean, that drops right to your bottom line. Uh, wow. So we're talking 40 to $60,000 then. Oh, easy. Easily. Okay. All right. And that actually that drops, that drops right to your bottom line. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the only way to look at it. Yeah. So, and what I've run into with clients and hearing stories of their friends and, and colleagues is post COVID, you've got these employees who are afraid to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's fear there in coming back. Have, do you have any other than, you know, PPE or things like that? Is there anything, any stories that you can share with us? Anything that you've seen that's been working to get these employees back in the office to, to get back to their jobs? Yeah. The, the thing that we have seen, been a part of, and noticed the most is the sincere communication between the practice owner, the doctor, and the employees. Letting the employees know, hey, I get it. I understand. You, you have some anxiety. There are unknowns about this whole ordeal but I am doing everything within my power as a business owner, as the practice owner, as the leader to make sure we're all protected. And the bottom line with all of it, Eric, is these are things that we do every day uh, as far as the safeguards and the protocol and sterilization and things like that. So I have heard a lot of people say the dentist's office is one of the safest places you can be Anyway, because of all of the protocols that we have before COVID. So now you put the extra PPE and the evacuation systems and the lights and all of that into place, which is employees need to understand this isn't, you know, a small investment. Mm. I mean, these, these numbers can be pretty big for the dentist investing in this extra equipment. But I think if the dentist really communicates honestly and transparently with the employees about we are going to do what it takes to maintain safety, to maintain guidelines that we're supposed to go by. And please let me know when you have concerns, we'll work through them, we'll talk about them. So we really have found that the communication, the feedback, the listening, the talking through things is the best tool that dentists have right now, not only with their patients, but their employees as well. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I I talk with teams about patients who aren't willing to come in and I have them go through this conversation piece called share the data. And it's a bit of an objection formula because you're handling that, uh, that fear objection. But correct me if I'm wrong here, but have, have, do we know of any cases in dentistry where a team member has contracted COVID in a dental office? Well, the tricky part about that is how are you going to prove? How would you know? Yeah. How would you know? You can't. So yeah, I'm hearing, well, it's outside the office. I was exposed at a family reunion or funeral or this get together or 
you know, bar. I've heard those types of things, but I, I haven't heard it inside. And so I think one of the things that we're sharing with patients is, are you going anywhere else? Do you go anywhere? And as soon as they say, oh, I go to, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's or church or, uh, you know, family events, or whatever, like, well, we're, we're safer than those places. Right. Right. And, and you mentioned that it might be the safest place to be. Right. I think we're doing really well. Right. I agree. We got to share that data, I think, with our employees as well as with our patients. So just get me thinking here, what, you know, people who are listening, what are they thinking next? So is there a way an employee can go after dentists if they believe they contracted COVID in the office? I mean, is that a fear that we need to be considering or not really? Not really, because they would have to, without a shadow of a doubt, prove that that's where they contracted it, which means once they leave the office, they get in their car and they go home. They're they don't isolated. Go anywhere. Yeah, and isolated, people yeah. that they live with don't go anywhere. Um, the, the outliers for all of that is you as the employer, you, you don't really know what your employees are doing on their off hours. Are they going to have dinner with friends out at a bar or a restaurant? Um, do they have kids that are associating with other kids that going into other homes? Um, you just can't, you can't track it. We were asked a long time ago when this first came up, should I have my employees sign a waiver of liability that mm you know, I'm not going to be responsible. Should I have my patients sign that? And we have talked to a number of people in the legal profession and everyone has said it's not worth the paper it's written on because you can't track it. You can't say, oh, on Thursday at 8 p.m. you were having dinner and this is where you got it from this person that was sitting on your right. It's impossible. You just can't do it. Well, you wouldn't have a patient sign a release that they're not going to get HIV or, uh, you know, something else that we protect, you know, ourselves from in the office as well. So why would you bring this up and create more stress, right? Right. And that is kind of our thought going forward. It's why plant that in a patient's mind? Yeah. You know, the possibility. Don't, yeah, don't suggest that the power of suggestion we all know is huge so why why go down that rabbit hole because it's not doing anyone any good yeah i think we're really the patient probably this is the safest person to practice it's it's us that are protecting ourselves from them so why why are we so worried about the patient uh, perspective on this it's really about us with our ppe and protecting ourselves so I'm, i'm glad to hear that all right well let's let's shift gears here I, I got one for you. All right. So I'm a brand new dentist, just bought the practice. The team's already in place. I, I walk in the door. There's been no HR present before. Nobody's signed any sort of manual or policy or anything like this. And they're looking at me like, who are you? You know, because I'm, you know, 26, 27 years old. What, what do I do? Years. Yeah. <laughs> what Baby doc, right? What, yeah. what do I do? How do I... How do I start this HR process? How do I make sure that I'm protected, that I'm protecting my employees, that we're all on the same page? Well, for us, that is, uh, it's a great question and it's easily answered. Um, When you go in and you establish yourself, 
One of the main things that you want everyone to know is you are here to establish a great place for them to come to work to not just survive, but to thrive, because you're going to be spending a whole lot of time together. And and if it's your clinical staff, you're going to be in an operatory. Sometimes it's really, really small where you're sitting knee to knee. So the trust that you want to establish is huge. Making sure that you're walking in integrity and that everybody knows they're going to be treated fairly, consistently across the board. And having your policy manual in place so that everybody knows what the guidelines are, what the policies are, is a big key to establishing that trust and that relationship. Um, Several years ago, the University of Mississippi did an experiment. They took about 30 preschoolers, they put them on a bus and took them to a playground for them to get out and romp and play. So the teachers were all there to, you know, chaperone the kids. And what they noticed, uh, this playground did not have a fence. It was an open playground, lots of equipment, but it didn't have a fence. Well, they noticed that the kids kind of hung around where the teachers were. And there was a lot of squabbling and kind of bickering and fighting. So they stayed for like 30 minutes, put them back on the bus, took them back to school. The next day, they did another run with those same children on a bus, took them to a different playground that had a fence. The boundary was clearly marked. What they noticed that day was that the kids got out, they romped, they played, they played on the equipment. There wasn't as much bickering and fighting. Everybody was doing their thing. One of the conclusions that they came to was the kids needed boundaries. They needed to know where that line in the sand was. And I have taken that to look at our employees, our team members. They need to know what the policies are, what the guidelines are, how things are going to be handled if situations come up that maybe you know, aren't the best, they need to know how they're going to be handled. When you have a policy manual in place that outlines that, it's like a layer of security or a security blanket that people can go, oh, okay, well, if this happens, then this is how it's going to be handled. So coming in, even as a new doctor, a new business owner, when you lay out the rules, you lay out the guidelines and the policies, it's whether it's subconscious or not, everybody can go, okay, okay, I get it. This is how, this is how we're going to run this practice. And it really is like a security blanket for everyone. Wow. That's so good. That's so good, Adrian. Thank you for, for showing that. And I, I would just say my thoughts here is they need to see you as the leader. They need to mm-hmm. know that you're going to take care of them. And that becomes a mutual, you got to, if you want them to trust you, you got to give some trust, right? You got to give that away. So uh, be a leader and and that's going to take communication. So many of these offices don't communicate. They don't have meetings. They don't sit down and talk about these things and spend time and getting clear on it. Right. That's true. I heard, I'm glad you said that. It reminded me of something. I heard an interview that Linda Miles did, you know, our wonderful friend, Linda Miles. She did a uh, podcast interview with somebody probably six weeks or so ago. And I heard her say something and she's always coming out with 
you know, these wonderful quotes and things. But, you know, in the world of technology, when we sign on to the internet, you see the address as HTTP backslash blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this was in Linda's mind when she came up with it or not, but she said something about our employees. She said, you need to HTTP. You need to hire, train, trust, and praise. And I thought, well, there's another gem from Linda Miles, because that's exactly what needs to be happening with our team members and between them and the practice owner, the dentist. So I want to make sure I got it. Hire, train, trust, and praise. Praise. Part of that awesome. appreciation in the that workplace. Is. Yeah, yes. that is. Absolutely. Do you have a statistic on the appreciation factor when like people leave, the percentage of people who actually leave their jobs due to lack of appreciation versus stay? Is that a known fact? Um, well, you know, you can kind of make up statistics for yeah. anything depending <laughs> on how you read them. Yeah. But there are more people actually that leave the workplace because they don't feel valued. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like what they're doing is recognized or is making a difference. Yeah. And uh, as I'm sure you know, the five languages of appreciation was taken, you know, from the five love yeah. languages that Gary Chapman yeah. and Paul White came up with. Love that book. And yeah, it's an amazing course. And, and I would highly recommend practice owners, dentists, managers, employees, everybody, they don't have that book if they've not read it, get a copy of it. And it applies at home in your, in your personal life, as well as in the business setting. And it's huge. I couldn't agree more. Huge. Yeah. When we meet with our team meetings, and, you know, our clients and we coach them, we take them through all five of those. Mm -hmm. We have them list out each employee. What is their appreciation language? And then it's important for the rest of the team to know what those languages are. Because if I know your words of encouragement, then when I appreciate you, I do that through words of encouragement. When I, when I, but, but if I'm acts of service and mm -hmm. I'm just doing things for you, you're mm -hmm. not feeling appreciated. Exactly. You're like, you're like what is he doing? So yeah. it, it works in the office. It works at home. works with your children. Amazing. I couldn't agree more. I love, yeah. I love that, that book. And it's called The Five Love Languages. And we translate that to the five appreciation languages in the dental office. So absolutely. Yeah, it's really, it's like you said, Eric, it's so important to understand what everybody's language to receive appreciation is so that you are um, communicating with them in a language that they get. So yeah, that's huge. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, I feel like um, we just talked about saving at least $50,000 a year per employee by keeping your employees. Mm -hmm. And then also making sure that you're very clear on the expectations, the safety uh, that you have between the owner and the team. And you do that through good human resources, have a policy manual in place. Everybody really understands. Take the time to, to meet that. I'm assuming you have uh, like where people can go Q and A, what uh, benerickson.com, does that sound right? Yes, that's it. www.bentericson.com. And Erickson is spelled S-E-N. Ah. So, yes. Oh, so, that's good yeah. to know. All right. Yeah. All but right. We have a lot of information there. Um, and Eric, as you and I have talked before, we have a lot of information there on uh, 
uh, coronavirus handling, how do you handle it uh, if employees have questions. Um, so the dentist can find a ton of information on our website. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. Wow. Adrian, this has been awesome. I hope we get to do it again and I'll have yes. more questions for you the next time we talk. Hopefully it won't be about COVID. It'll be about other, other things that we need to get Hopefully. into. Yes. Yes. And so thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to invest in yourself. Until next time, go out there and be an all-star. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.